0: Welcome to the Resound Worship Songwriting Podcast, episode 26. I'm Joel Payne from Resound Worship. I'm Sam Hargreaves from engageworship.org. And this is a podcast to equip and inspire grassroots songwriters serving their local church. In this episode, we'll be reviewing the November Songwriting Challenge, engaging in discussion with a blog post that's been doing the rounds, and proposing a Ten Commandments for making your song congregational, as well as responding to your tweets, posts, and emails. Good morning, Sam Hargreaves. Good morning,
1: Joel. How are you doing, mister? I'm all right, thank you. It's very cold, but I've got a warm, slightly Christmassy jumper on, so I'm feeling good. So what have you been up to? Uh, well, we got some uh, exciting stuff going on. We're obviously working on our whole life worship book. Um, still working on that. It's nearly got the nearly got the the typeset um, proof coming to us. But we're also um, there's a thing called Thy Kingdom Come, which mm-hmm. has been started by the Church of England. But next year it's going to be ecumenical. Um, hoping it'll be a kind of worldwide prayer movement for. Uh, between ascension and pentecost oh brilliant and um the idea is to pray for mission and evangelism and um we've been approached by a, a group in cumbria yeah called god for all to produce so we do these um family creative prayer journal things yeah which are like a a4 full color things for whole families to do kind of devotional things together and so we've been uh, approached to, to create one of those for thy kingdom come so we're quite excited about that Um, And I'm aware that, you know, although it's next year, people will be starting to plan and think about how their church or their, you know, network or whatever is going to engage with that. So I just thought I'd I'd mention that now so they can get that into their heads. Cool. What a great thing to be involved in. Yeah, it was really, it's, it's, you know, it's really exciting. And then the other thing is that you and I went to the songwriters consultation that's organised by Graham Kendrick and a bunch of others. And we had a really good time, didn't we? We did have a good time, actually. Yeah, it was great. Uh, Two very good speakers. Yeah. I
0: thought... Uh, oh sorry well there were th- well anyway <laughs> <they> were <laughs> there were more than two speakers, but not the other anyway, Maggie Dawn and Glenn <laughs> Packiam, who both bought a kind of very academic um approach, which i thought I thought was really good uh, they had some really- help- helpful insights, and quite a lot of it actually came from research. An analysis rather than just kind of ideas of what we should be doing it's a lot about what is actually going on out there in terms of songs songwriting and and so on I thought that was really helpful
1: yeah and it was kind of counterpointed wasn't it by having Ian Archer there who mm. people they might know oh. him um he used to you know do sort of Christian singer songwriter stuff I remember when I was a teenager yeah seeing him at Greenbelt and things um and then he wrote for snow patrol and then recently he's written with james bay so he's telling all these stories about how you know james bay would come into his studio and say oh i've had a really you know tough time and you know out of that conversation would come this song hold back the river yeah um, and just Man. like wow you know and he's he almost he's, it almost seems like he acts like a a youth leader to some of these young writers he sort yeah. of gets alongside them and how are you doing and what's going on in your life and okay let's write a song out of that and it was it was uh yeah really interesting and he did a bit of a concert for us didn't
0: he and it was like a guitar master class i mean oh yeah man he can play the guitar
1: he is a terrific guitarist and then Do you know why joel it's it, because he's got a loudon is that why yeah all good guitarists have a loudon
0: oh no i've just kind of got a gibson
1: i know well oh. You know.
0: That's more my style, just for strumming country chords. <laughs>
1: it's much more
0: my thing. Well, I have... Um, I went to an awards dinner. Now, you went to this a few Who years ago, get didn't you? you? The Premier Digital uh, Awards. Did, yeah. You went on behalf of us when we were nominated for the People's Choice Awards, which sort of strikes me as the kind of... the organization with the most subscribers award yeah a little bit but anyway we won that so that was really cool anyway, i went this time took kieran our web designer because it was an, we're up for an award for best new or redesigned website and out of the three shortlisted on the night we came third well done awesome <laughs> um i uh, also um interviewed isaac wardell did you listen to that
1: yeah that was a really good interview you're,
0: you're very good at listening to the
1: interviews sam i love your podcast interview things. i'm gonna say that again oh that no, was, i'm that keeping was it i'm keeping it oh come on that's <laughs> so, so
0: nice
2: i do hey, I, I like
1: listening to them they, they've been really good this year I, I think we have had some really good interviews Yeah. He knows his
0: stuff, Isaac, doesn't he? He Mm. knows his stuff so much that several times he critiqued my (laughs) question because it wasn't quite. Let me me just tell you why you're asking a dumb question there. Yeah. Oh, well. I can only live and learn, really, can't I? I I probably need to learn (laughs) to be a bit more more succinct in my questions, and then there's less to critique. (laughs) There you go. Anyway, that's what I've been up to. Oh, can I just say one other thing from the um, consultation, which was we met a guy called
1: Paul Bell. Did you know him before?
0: Paul, yeah. uh, Well, uh, no. Well, I knew of him, but no, I didn't really. But
1: he said, oh, you guys do that podcast. So he obviously is a listener. So hello, Paul. Paul. Big shout out to Paul. And also he gave us one of his Christmas EPs, which I was listening to in the car. And I really, really like. He's written uh, some original stuff. He does some comedy stuff. He's got a song about why men generally mess up Christmas, which is quite funny. Yeah. but I just wanted to give him a shout out. His website is paulbellmusic.com. Look at that. And uh, encourage him in, really, because really, I think he's doing great stuff.
0: I think he said he listens to us in the gym or something. So he's it, probably sweaty so if he at does, this moment Paul, as he listens. turn up the speed on the running machine. <laughs> <laughs> Go for the burn. That's what I'd sound like if I was a gym instructor.
1: <laughs> that would be terrible.
0: Uh, shall we look at some correspondence? Actually, we've got quite a bit this month. Uh... But most a lot of it relates to stuff we're going to talk about in a bit later. But we did get this lovely tweet from Stewie C or Stewick, depending on how you want to pronounce it, saying paternity leave so far, cuddling my new daughter and catching up on the Resound Worship podcast. Ah, oh, very nice. Well that is I mean, that is why we do this. Yeah. To make paternity leave great again. Bearable. Bearable. I love paternity no. leave yeah you get to take the couple of weeks off and then you tack on a couple of weeks of annual leave as well
1: and the baby doesn't actually do a lot in those first but i think you're remembering this with rose tinted glasses because there's also like intense sleeplessness oh yeah you're not remembering that bit of it no that's true actually
0: no i'm just remembering how you didn't have to chase the baby around the house all the time (laughs) (laughs) i think that's what it is they didn't
1: talk back to you so that's nice. We would
0: love to hear. So there we go. So we've got um Stewie C who's listening to the podcast while on paternity leave. We've got Paul Bell who listens to it in the gym. Though I may have made that up, but someone definitely said they listened to it in the gym. Um <laughs> and uh where did let us know if you listen to the podcast somewhere interesting, exciting, bland, uh just anywhere, we'd love to know. Let us know. It would be interesting yeah. to hear. Send us a tweet at resound worship. <music> Let's get to the meat of the issue. Um, over the last month or so, there's been a blog post doing the rounds on social media. Um, and I think maybe particularly because Mike Pilavacci saw it and shared it, and he has quite a lot yeah. of followers, and so on, it was reshared. It was written by a guy called Jamie Brown, who is based in um, Virginia, and titled, Is Evangelical Worship Headed for a Huge Crash? Um, and it's from the Healthy Leaders, uh, healthyleaders.com blog. Now, what I hadn't realized um, was uh, he actually wrote this three years, four years ago, he wrote it in 2012. twelve. 'Cause I was, right? Yeah, I was just asking some people about, I was basically just trying to find it actually, I was saying, what's that podcast? And then a friend turned up, we got a very good mutual friend who put me in touch and I had a little chat with him on um, Facebook. And yeah, he wrote it four years ago. Um, and so he said it, it just sort of emerges about once a year when someone else finds it and shares it, and it does the rounds <laughs> again. I think it must have been posted on that um, on that other website more recently or something. So it's not right. brand new, and you may have read it before. And it's probably not the only, certainly not the only one of its type, but it raises a whole load of issues um, around, essentially around con- the congregational worship experience becoming a rock concert. I mean, if, if to put it in a in an absolute nutshell. That's sort of the that's the main yeah. issue, isn't it? And we thought, well, we wanted to have a bit of chat about it, a bit of a talk about it. Some of the issues that Jamie raises and and, and other issues around it, um, because it's an important thing, and it's very important for us as songwriters. Because if we're writing the stuff that people are singing, then really understanding the model of worship, what it is, what it could be, and how what we write might impact and affect that, or serve it. Um, I think it's particularly useful. So to just give a kind of summary of it, Jamie says that he was attending a worship conference. There was all sorts of different music and styles and all kinds of things. But one consistent theme throughout it was that it felt like being at a concert and, um, he often didn't know the songs. They seem to depend a lot on the way that the, um, the worship leader was singing them. And he said he brings out this theme of performanceism, which he calls it. And he describes it as the worship leader is the performer. The congregation is the audience. The sanctuary is the concert hall. And he says it really is a problem. It really is a thing that's happening more and more. And we really can't allow it to become the norm. And then he goes on to discuss all sorts of ideas about how you, might, um, how you might mitigate this, how you might make it, how you might solve the problem about singing songs people know, about what your songs are about, not using the big screen or the low lights or the bright lights and, and other stuff like that. And he talks about just his experience as well of, of I guess, just getting a bit bored. Basically, sitting there, he says he's really into worship music, but just get, ending up bored, sitting down,
1: tweeting, texting and so on. Yeah, I think one of the things about this is it's it's not new at all. Lots of people have critiqued contemporary worship in this way. I think what is particularly interesting about this one is that he says, you know, I'm into this style of music. He's not someone coming from, you know, an academic perspective or a liturgical perspective or a Quaker perspective and saying, oh, you know, you're doing it all wrong. He's someone who's in the midst of this culture. And yeah. yet he's spotting some things that he's saying these are kind of dangers.
0: yeah. So we're just going to read out some um, responses that we got from some of you on Facebook when we shared this earlier in the week.
1: So the first one is uh, from Stuart. He said, this article is written in in an American context, which means he describes things I don't fully recognise here in UK churches. For example, few churches here have performance songs or solos, so we're less at risk from that. We generally rely on volunteer music teams, which are less likely to be polished enough to be performance groups as a result we might hear some of this advice wrongly he says use your original songs with extreme moderation which i understand as there are some worship leaders who'll only play their own material when they're perfectly good or better songs written by others but i reckon we're more likely to have the opposite problem songwriters in the uk are sometimes a bit too reluctant to let their songs loose on their congregation and so don't get around to developing their craft We don't want fledgling songwriters in local churches to be discouraged from serving their local context. That's a really good point, I think. Mm. But he says, overall, I think this advice is very wise and well worth taking on board. And he said, I agree with the sentiment of this article,
0: but I worry about the vilification of the word performance. Mm. There are lots of important performance skills which aid good congregational worship leading. I worry that by making performance a dirty word, we run the risk of alienating these skills. (coughs) Try that. (laughs) I worry that by making performance a dirty word, we run the risk of alienating these skills. There is room to challenge how congregational our music is and whether our leaders are leading with integrity without making it hard to talk about a valuable set of skills. Challenges challenge is to think about how we plan and evaluate our worship and see if it is meeting our hopes and expectations of what we are ultimately trying to do, enabling the people of God to bring glory and honour to his name.
1: And uh, Christine said uh, that she wanted to add a few suggestions to the list of how to make things congregational she says firstly sing songs in a key that everyone male and female can comfortably sing uh number two don't just pick good-looking people that's to be such worship a, leaders. well
0: that's a really good point because he doesn't that's not something he says specifically but there's a there's yeah. a really good point there
1: and three encourage more women to get involved in leading worship mm. amen
0: brilliant thanks guys um so we're going to chat about it now sam i just let's start off just give me some of your your initial reactions your thoughts your wisdom
1: yeah i mean i think you you've summarized this as um the sort of concert issue and i i do think that for me the the heart of this is about the fact that we have taken the model of a rock concert and we have imposed it into church and i'm not saying that um that we shouldn't do that at all um i think that you know the things to learn from every art form is good to be contextual. You know, we live in a a culture where, you know, one of the dominant forms of entertainment and communication is that kind of rock concert setting. And, you know, and I obviously play the guitar and, you know, all of that. So I, I relate to that, but I think, you know, I was chatting to some people the other day and a girl, we're talking about, you know, whether people could agree with the lyrics and sing along. And she said, Oh, but if you were at a concert, you would, you know, you might not necessarily w- agree with all the lyrics, but you'd still sing along. Yeah. And I said, yeah, but are you saying that a concert is the perfect, you know, <laughs> model of a worship time? And the, the people that she was with were kind of looking at me like, well, yeah, of course it is. You know, and I think we've all almost assumed that for a worship time to be good, it has to be as close as possible to a concert. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is bringing in so many assumptions and so many things that are actually um some of them working against what healthy christian worship should be about
0: so let's dig down then into that a little bit what i think i mean i agree that that this concert model is and you see it's not necessarily the case like what um i think like um stew said at one point that there are lots of churches where in a sense it's nowhere near that because they don't have the lights and they don't have the yeah. big band and they don't have the loud sound and all this thing. but in a set but, but they're still sort of on the journey towards that or or aspiring towards that and so on but so what is the problem why not just do it like a concert why not have brilliant singers do it and we all stand and kind of hum along and uh, and so on what's wrong with that
1: i think one of the main things for me is participation Mm. so it's um i mean you know historically this is something that lots of people have struggled with so you know you know historically the catholic church the mass became something where you know the priests celebrated out the front and people just watched on. Mm. Um, and then, you know, Vatican II came along and they said, No, we need the full conscious, I'm not remembering this exactly right, but the wholehearted participation of everyone who's there. Um, worship is not, you know, a concert, it's not about one person doing it and everyone else watching, it's about everyone participating together. Um, and I think that that is a real danger with this concert. You know, I mean, p- there's there's a degree of interaction with the concert. People might sing along, they might clap. But ultimately, you know, you go to see Paul Simon to watch Paul Simon play. You don't mm. necessarily go for how you will then interact with that. Whereas I think, um, I think someone mentioned, um, I don't know if he mentioned this in the article, but certainly um, Barry Leach has written about this in a book called The New Worship. And he talks about Kierkegaard's model where um the performer in a sense is should be the congregation they're the people who should be the main actors and actually the the person who's leading they should be what's called the prompt they should be the one who are like prompting the congregation to do what they're doing and then god is the audience and the danger with the concert model is that the the actor the performer becomes the person on the stage and the the congregation become the audience does that make sense
0: that's actually that's really helpful actually because i think we've we've introduced the difference between the concert or the th- i will talk about this in a minute or the theater or other things is that there is this other there, there is there's god as well it's not just yeah. the performers and the audience um but as you might have in a kind of in the the way we're set up you know band on stage and the other people facing them but there's god as well and so that it stretches understandings of what performance participation can mean. Mm. I interestingly got a, um, I got an email from my brother, who we have this thing in my family. It's a bit weird, but no one really knows what my brother does. I don't, I don't <laughs> think he works for the CIA or anything like that. I think it's just he's always done things that are so sort of hard to pin down that we, we can't work it out. And that was actually that was even in his best man speech at his wedding. The best man <laughs> stood up and said, "The thing about Tom is no one knows what he does." Everyone in the room looked at each other and went, "Yeah, it's true. None of us know what he does." Anyway, it turns out one of the things he does, and I see, he, he sent me a message saying, "Well, I've got a PhD in performance, and he has. He's 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 uh, it's true, and he studied. Um, he's done it through theatre um, and through performance, and and how that how performance becomes a community expression and, and things like that. And it's actually really helpful. So he's able to bring some some useful insight. And he made a good point to me that." Um, the, the thing is about we're making sort of so he's not really he's not particularly churched um, or he's grown up in the church um, so he sort of understands the, the, some of the context of what we're talking about um, that the we're assuming that participation has to be physical and or it you know, has to be active and actually there are all kinds of in in the kind of field that he studies and works in there are all kinds of ways of understanding participation they're not necessarily physical or active but they can be involved. That they actually are drawn sometimes from the sense of separation with the performer, which actually gives a space for participation and a kind of internal participation in what's going on. And he made the point about just looking, thinking about theories of pedagogy, that there are different learning styles, there are also a different participation styles. Yeah. And I found that a really helpful point because it made me think okay, what's going on here is it's not necessarily that the performance oriented style is wrong per se, in that that can't encourage some kind of participation. But it only encourages one kind, and it's quite an internalised one. Yes. um, Where the gathering of the... You know, the gathered church is supposed to be a communal activity, not just a a selection of internal um, experiences. But also that um, one of the issues is that where you do performance and call it performance... You can actually treat it as that and use it well in worship. But what's actually happening a lot is it's being sort of presented as a a physical and active participatory experience. Your voice counts is the Mm. understanding when we gather. But then we begin to sing and discover my voice doesn't actually count. It makes no difference to this. Whereas if you said at the beginning, your ears count or your internal reflection counts, then I would think, great, I'll listen and I'll internally reflect. And I actually, it could be incredibly
1: beneficial. Yeah, I think that's totally right. There's a really good book. And I was just trying to see, look on my shelf and see what, who it's by, Ericsson, that's right. Uh, and it's called Participation in Worship. And he goes through seven different types. I'm sure there's more as well, mm. but he goes through seven different types of participation. And he says, you know, there is, there is a kind of participation which is about sort of silent reflection and that's perfectly valid. Mm. But there is also more active forms of participation. Um, And I think this is a major question we need to be thinking through. What, how are we expecting our congregations to participate in, you know, and it doesn't just apply to the singing part of the service, it applies to every part of the service. Mm. Um, But how are we expecting people to engage with this? And um, I I totally think you're right that that sometimes we are, we're, we're not, thinking through and and there's assumptions made you know people will say things like oh well people like it when the music is loud yeah because then they can't hear their own bad singing voice and so they will sing out and i think well that might happen or the opposite might happen that they might think i'm just not going to bother singing because actually the music's so loud i can't sing at all and so it's a uh, some of it's about you know knowing your congregation and being aware of what is actually drawing people into worship and encouraging them to participate in different ways and what is turning it off and turning this into simply a show where one person is is doing everything
0: yeah and that's kind of the, the loud music argument that covers people's voices and so on in a sense that's just plastering over a problem rather than helping yeah. solve it isn't it it's saying people don't feel like they can sing because they don't sing therefore we're going to make it too loud so they can't hear themselves yeah. sing
2: yeah then they yeah. might
0: and, and yeah. whilst you can see the logic in it and probably you can you certainly you'll find people who will say, yeah, that's my experience. But the, but the issue is that they feel they can't sing and they're embarrassed of their voice and that they have, there's no sort of commun- they've not developed enough of a cultural context in order to develop communal singing such that yes. they're confident in it. And so yeah. you just it's, it's fine because you've got to you've got to exist in the culture in which you exist. Yeah. But it seems sad if the answer is, we'll just make it really loud so that no one else can hear you.
1: Yeah, and turn the lights down so you can't see each other. Yeah. And, you know, see ourselves in a concert format where you can only see the back of someone's head and then a massive screen yeah. with, you know, the worship leader's face on. Um, I, I thought that was a good thing in the article. He says, you know, one of his points is, get your face off the big screen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, Nicely put. we did this. We, we were doing... Um, youth work summit a few years ago and i was chatting with um martin who's one of the organizers and we were talking about how can we buck this trend so what we ended up doing was set because they had a big screen that they were using for the speakers but we said during the sung worship can we not have any cameras on the band can we have you know attractive um you know, members of the congregation imi- <laughs> <laughs> no like you know fitting so. images and uh, we didn't use you know moving video we just had static but like a, you know appropriate um imagery behind the song words um and we also set the band up i mean it was it was in a very modern style church but we set the band up in a big horseshoe rather than yeah. sort of the sort of um rock band lineup so we we were actually Sarah and I who were leading we were on sort of one corner of the horseshoe facing in yeah. across and then the the band kind of horseshoed round. yeah and uh and I think my reflections on that were having done it I think it did take the the attention off us to to quite a large extent um I think it the one problem with it is it can be difficult to make a kind of personal connection yeah. I think that's often what, what sort of... When the people are acting more like a sort of rock front man, what they're sometimes trying to do is make a personal connection. So the fact that people can see their face really big and they can speak and they can interact with the congregation, I I can sort of see why people do that. And uh, there were times when I felt, you know, it was a big room. I was thinking, this is actually quite hard to make a personal connection. Yeah. But the flip side was I did think that we we did to some extent manage to to get the focus off us and i think that's got to be a good thing
0: yeah i guess it i i said didn't see it but i can imagine um that what you see is the band modeling something in a sense of saying okay hang on a minute we're not just like a wall of sand there's something communal going on here yeah the, the danger is that what you're doing is a sort of presenting another thing that people can't join in with you, oh yeah. you're, you're not in this circle yeah um, yeah now I know that's and that, obviously that's not what you're going for but that, that it's the whole thing about sort of having a band up front yeah is, is you're always going to say you're not in this
1: yeah exactly and it's true and it, you know he also writes stop talking so much in mm. the article and again you know talking is something that I think you can go either way um, I've been to worship services where the the worship leader has not said anything it just played song after song after yeah. song and I thought you know, could you, could you connect with us? Could you lead us? Could you yeah. take us on a journey? Um, but I've also been to worship services where the the worship leader has talked a lot. And it's at that point it's what they talk about. That I think is really important when people are there. So it's
0: not the words. It's not the fact that they're talking.
1: No, it's, it's the, so on on my way here today. I was really thinking and God's been speaking to me about this. And, you know, I really love this song when I wrote this song and it's all about them. Yeah. Um, Whereas there are other people who, when they speak, they're pointing you towards God, that the words are, you know, they're encouraging you to to think about a bit of scripture or to, you know, consider, you know, what God is doing in the room or it just feels like all of these things, you know, I wouldn't want to say blanket, you know, face on the big screen is bad or talking is bad or... But I think we really do need to say, why are we doing this? Mm. And ultimately, is this pointing people towards God? And is this people helping, is this helping the congregation to engage and participate? um, Or is it a distraction or a way of kind of entertaining or, I think that's the challenge.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about the face on the big screen thing as well. Um, I was thinking that there's something about the style of music, it's kind of contemporary pop music. It doesn't have, like, this is the set introduction and then we slow down and, you know, it's time to come into the verse in the way that you might if you've got an organ-led hymn or something like that. So there's a sense in which there are some visual cues which are important and helpful. But then the question just kind of becomes, well, what would I rather have? Would I rather have a situation which reinforces the rock concert um, idea that the central performer is the focus of this event and that you can't get away from that is the, that's what happens in rock concerts. So you can say, okay, Mm. we're going to adopt that model and I'm going to try and subvert it, but just use it because I'm trying to have a sort of kind of cultural appropriateness. And you could do it, but the moment you then stick that person on the big screen, you're reinforcing what's kind of subconsciously there in people's minds anyway. Is it more important to avoid that than it is to make sure everyone comes in on the first quarter beat of the first no, when yeah. a lot of them will probably get it right anyway, and the sense of the congregation, like I don't know if you do just sort of um, <coughs> spoken responses in a, in a service or something like that, where someone's leading it, but there's no rhythm building up to it. I just say something, and then the congregation all says it together, and it's fine, and it works, and we yeah. know it, and we get it. Yeah, um, we didn't really need a face on a big screen to be able to do it. I think people, I think a lot of the time people do this stuff because. Just because they've seen it and, they, and yeah. they think, oh, that place is good at worship. We should be like that. And I yeah. I don't think this is really difficult because as soon as you say something like that, you're really talking down to people. And so I, I don't know how to avoid that. Whilst also saying that I think sometimes it's about a sort of a lack of imagination, being able to imagine what what worship and participation is in your context rather than. See something else and think it works there and must import it, or, or sort of uncritical, um, yeah. uncritically bringing things in. But I, I think we have to say that 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 is something that's happening.
1: I, I think one of the ways to, to to sort of critique it and to think differently is to say, what if you used a different model? So, okay, worship leader as rock frontman is one model, is a model? and prob- yeah. it's is kind of you know things we can things we can learn from that. But what about worship leader as choir leader, suddenly there's a very different dynamic. Your aim is to get these people singing well. You're going to do something differently. Or, um, I mean, I've heard lots of great analogies. You know, there's um, things that talk about worship leader as host at a party or or a dinner. You know, actually, when you're welcoming someone to your home, you act towards them very differently um, than if you were welcoming them to a concert. Um, Worship leader as... You know, you you could you could just yeah. keep going with this. You know, worship leader as um you know you can use some of the old priestly language. You know how yeah yeah, yeah. worship how, leader how it... as priest
0: yeah
1: yeah um you know you you can just keep going with this. But it actually, as soon as you start to think in diff- those different terms, um. It, it changes what you're trying to do and it changes your relationship with the congregation.
0: Yeah. And it comes down to your understanding of worship, what the gathering is for, what the singing is for and stuff as well, isn't it? Yeah. I, I noticed the sort of the last point in um in in the blog post of, of kind of suggestions for how you remedy this is lead pastorally. And I think that's yeah. really helpful. Worship leader as pastor. And yeah. that means you're not just thinking about the moment, you're thinking about the whole lives of people and what do they need, not what do they like or what do you like or um, what, do the, what does that congregation need? But then you get into the, well how do I understand um, if I understand my, my Sunday gathering for example as a place where we come and intimately and powerfully encounter God and that charges us up and sends us out for the rest of the week, then there's a sense in which that is the thing you'll pursue if you mm. see it as the gathering where we come and we feed on the word of God to together then that's what you'll pursue if you see it as the place where our communal identity as the body of christ together and and children in one family is enforced and that's and of course to some extent it's all you know we know it's all those things but we tend to have a view of of what we call worship which the the kind of the gathered expression which prioritizes one of those things to some extent don't we i guess the other thing i just want to ask based on this article because it is the title of it um and it's where... Let me try that again. I want to ask, is the title of it, Is Evangelical Worship Headed for a Huge Crash? And the thing I just want to kind of try and imagine is, there's a, there's a part of me which, there's a lot of me that resonates with this article, so I think it's important to say, actually. I, I recognise, a lot what he's saying. Um, hmm. But kind of what I want to ask is, what is the what is the crash, then, that we might be heading for? What, you know, if we keep going with this concert hall model... What's going to go wrong? Can we not just sustain it by having better bands and better lights and better, you know, all these things? Is it... Are we all just... Are we just going to get bored? Are we going to end up with a faith that's based on sort of emotion and experience? Or are we going to have a poor theology because our songs are all about what sounds best on the voice of a performer rather than... You know, what? Mm. what's the crash that we might actually end up in?
1: Yeah... I think I, I think the, the sort of analogy of food and nutrition is, um, yeah, the analogy of food and nutrition is probably the one that I would start with at least um, in that, you know, it's great to eat pizza. It's really, you know, I love oh, pizza. It's so, it's so good to eat pizza. Have you eaten my pizza ever? Have Your I ever made you great. pizza? Yeah. 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 Your pizza is very good. Thank job. you. just but, get,
0: let's just get that out there. but if we eat pizza
1: all the time that is a very poor diet it is and i think the once
0: my wife went away for a week and i i made some pizza dough and sauce at the beginning of the week and i just had pizza every night and when i got to the fourth night i started to feel a bit ill excellent
1: you have illustrated my my point perfectly (laughs) you know and i think this is one of the things with worship is that when people criticize aspects of you know, and let's be fair, it you know, this we are talking about only a particular slice of the church that is probably, you know, following this model and having these problems. But whenever we only emphasize one way of approaching God, we're giving ourselves a very limited diet. And I think including things like really strong congregational singing, um, a real focus on truth of scripture, mm. um, you know, when we don't allow ourselves to, you know, think about some of the more difficult emotions, um, you know, all all of these things that are perhaps missing in the rock concert format, uh, we're just really limiting our diet. And I think that means that our growth as Christians can be stunted. I think it means that when we have hard times, you know, what are you going to fall back on? The fact that you went, whoa, whoa, you know, that's hmm. not actually, um, you know, when you're in hard times, that's not something to fall back on um so i think it's it's about you know essentially worship health worship diet and you know thinking you know not throwing something away but actually just thinking there there is more to this thing called worship and let's make sure we get a good balanced diet
0: yeah and if we're gonna get if we get biblical on it um i mean (laughs) there's very (laughs) there's little doubt really that the rock cons. There's little doubt that a lot of the way we understand whatever worship is 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 sort of hard to pin down in the Bible. Uh, Any anyway, that yeah. lots of the things that we actually do, this whole singing thing, singing a bunch of blah. Now clearly singing is there, but this a lot of the model that we see is hard to pin down. Where do we find this in the Bible? You sort of have to turn to the priestly temple model, yeah, in order to to in order to justify it. But then you're left with this kind of but well didn't Jesus come and just blow that all apart in so many ways? And actually, if we're going to take the the little that the new Testament has to say, and we're talking, I mean, genuinely little really about certainly about singing and about gathering and other stuff. Most of it seems, you know, it uses language like sing to each other. And and it's just, it's so hard to see that sing to each other when you've, unless it's just like five of you singing to everyone else, I suppose Mm. that, you know, that's happening, but it, only seems to be set in a communal community context and that is about building you you know is actually about building up and that's where some of the you know some of the, the the very right in a sense stuff about worship has to be all about God and him and who he is and what he's done so it is true sort of but actually singing doesn't only have to be about that and i think that maybe that's what i'd say so our worship yeah. has to be fully directed at god but actually uh, where, where the bible and certainly the new testament talks about singing actually it's about more than just declaring the praises of god for his sake it's actually about doing it for our sake and theref- yeah. and therefore we you've got to have that kind of breadth of approach in terms of what you're doing when it comes to singing and i and i don't think
1: that the concert model allows you that breadth of approach no i think you're absolutely right the the, i mentioned before this book the new worship by barry leash and i was i was rereading his chapter he's got um a chapter on is worship a performance and it's really really good um and he mentions the fact that there is a sense in which you know yes god is the is the audience but there's also a sense in which the the congregation is a sort of audience and when you stand up there's a a need to be a little bit larger than life and need to lead well and and so he holds those tensions really well and i I think that's um i definitely recommend that to people if you know if they're wanting to follow this up
0: that's great analysis sam good discussion i enjoyed it we're interested in hearing what some of you guys think as well so do text us and tweet us yeah actually don't text us you don't know our numbers <laughs> but you can, well, if, if you know our numbers, please do text us. Um, but also tweet us and uh, you know Facebook, email, so on. we'd like to hear from you. It's time for the twelve song challenge.
2: Twelve song challenge.
0: What you don't know is that we always dance at that point when I say twelve song challenge. <laughs> but we insert the music later. Yeah. But we always just have a little bop at uh, the yeah. anticipation of how good it's going to be so the 12th song challenge this month was to write an advent song sam how has it
1: gone for you i wrote really early and i felt very smug having complained that you lot being smug about writing last month yeah. i'd gotten there and i think i was the first person to post and then i've even done a revision based on people's comments so i am feeling properly smug about this one
0: that is so good i'm pr- i feel proud of you
1: and hey, do you bro. know what? I'm a
0: little bit smug as well, because I got in quite early, within a couple of days of you, actually. I was I was also one of the first. Um, and I got in so early, I even wrote a second song.
1: Yeah, and your second song is really good. It's much much better, too, isn't it? Uh, spoiler alert, but... <laughs> no well, yeah. Uh,
0: the first one was a sort of a vague attempt. Um, it's a bit of a first pancake,
1: wasn't it? But that's okay. That's
0: exactly it. Yeah, it was a first pancake. The second one is so much better. Um, thanks to those of you who've joined in. Um, as always, we love looking at stuff you've done. i I have enjoyed so much seeing the kind of tone of lyrics and the quality of lyrics Mm, that this subject has brought out. I just wanted to read a verse from Liesl, who's posted um, her song on the forum, just because I think the the lyrics, they stand up so well in... Sort of describing this Advent thing. I'm holding on in the in-between through the pain, heaven not yet seen. Oh, lead me through this testing place until at last I see your face. Oh, come, Lord God, in mercy come and take my hand and lift me up, lift me up from sinking sand, from sinking sand. Isn't that a great Advent cry? It's deep, it's rich. In the in-between. In
1: the in-between. Just that line is such a brilliant Advent line.
0: Yeah, heaven not yet seen yeah isn't that such a good way of describing the whole thing so well done Lisa L- love that mm. um and a whole load of you have done um have done your advent songs um
1: yeah I wanted to shout out for Gavin Ball because he yeah. he did a, a really good uh prepare the way one that I think he's still working on but uh he's I thought I oh, really like that and I think that's that's a rich theme you know the stuff about John the Baptist yeah um you know you, you don't you don't want to write a praise song to john the baptist but the, the themes of of his life i think are you know gav's done a really good job there
0: yeah and can i prepare sorry to get all sort of um church historical and theological again but i think that our the writers have engaged with this in a in a pretty deep way i think they've grabbed this theme and gone with mm. it and i think it's partly because in and i can only speak for britain and i guess to some extent america as well and other but we, certainly in Britain, we live in a post Christendom society. There was a time yeah. when Christianity was the prevalent worldview. Um it's not now in this country. And our sense of living and holding on in the in between has grown so yeah. much, just even in the last ten years, I think. Yeah. And therefore our kind of longing for a saviour has increased. Even you know, even though we're sa- even though we've received Christ and so on, actually that's that advent sense of he's come but we're longing for him to come again i think has grown and and it's been expressed in these lyrics and i think it shows how valuable Mm. it would be if we were to write more advent songs
1: yeah do you want to hear mine good point yes please i'd love to
0: oh yeah oh nice guitar joel oh thank you is it what my um red spruce limited edition gibson hummingbird (laughs) yeah thank you very much
1: I, I think you're being too much of a rock star with that. I think you need to sell it and give it to the poor.
0: It's so bright. <laughs> it shines beautiful. So I wrote one, um, and then I wrote another one. And the second time is just because I was thinking I was literally planning the Advent service, and we ate, I even sang this on Sunday, just as a kind of as a I mean I'd say it faintly, but as a performance piece.
1: <laughs> <gasps> no, but you see that's oh, all right. Oh, know. it is.
0: Yeah, I forgot. But yes, that's,
1: that's something that I was going to say yeah. in the and that discussion was if we actually had I've seen this done in in, a, in an American church and it worked really well. They had one song which was the performance song, and either they're a soloist or a choir. They just sang it to you, and you thought. I'm allowed to sit and just listen, and that was a perfectly good part of. And then they sang songs that were congregational, and I sometimes wonder it'd be better off if we had the performance moment and we allowed that in the in the British Church. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm affirming your performance. And it's not song.
0: just it's not just a kind of getting out of the way. It's actually saying that's got like we've said. It's there's a helpful role for performance. Yeah. So let's use it, but let's call it what it is and yeah. use it well. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Um. I'm gonna sing this for you.
3: For the Lord, I'm lifting up my eyes. I'm trying to see the light of dawn before the day arrives. I'm looking for the Lord, I'm searching for the signs He said I'll come again, finally rise. I know the freedom and salvation that he brings, and though I'm blessed with joy and peace hope of greater things, I'm longing for that day to come when all creation sings and every eye is looking. certainty with fear and chaos reign. I'm looking for the Lord, returning to restore, to make His heaven here on earth with life forevermore. And though I know the freedom and salvation that Hope of greater things I'm longing for that day to come when all creation sings and every eye is looking to the Lord I'm looking for the Lord who was promised long ago and died in pain And gloriously rose I'm looking for the Lord Who sits on heaven's throne And builds His kingdom here through us A seed that ever grows And though I know the freedom And salvation that He brings I'm longing for the Son to Shine with healing in its wings. When the wait is over, I will stand before my king and be forever.
1: good work thanks very excellent much. um i just think this whole thing of anticipation you know the now and not yet of, of god's kingdom is so um such a good theme in advent and it's a thing that you know we do struggle with um generally in life you know we think well you know if jesus came why isn't everything perfect yeah um and so this sort of Advent sense of, well, he came, but he's coming and we're in the in-between. And there's a right sense of Christian anticipation of, you know, how long, O oh Lord, until? Um yeah. And I love that. And I think that's really helpful because, you know, it allows people to be honest about their struggles. But it also, it has a sense of, um, of hope and of, of looking forward to when, you know, God is going to put everything right. So... I think you've done a really good job with that. Thank you. Um I I encourage you to switch switch the verse 2 and 3 around yeah, which you seem to have done. I did. Cuz I think in the third verse you've got about Jesus which for me I, I said it, it felt like it felt like the answer to to the questions. Yeah. So you have got in verse 2 now I'm looking for the lord in darkness and pain. Um I felt like you wanted to say that in verse two, so that then in verse three you're talking. That the focus then becomes Jesus, and you know came in flesh, died in pain, glory, rose. Were you, were you happy with that change, or did yeah, you? Yeah, I like that change. I t- think t- it
0: was very sensible, very good idea. Because then you sort of, in a sense, you got a little nu- little gospel nugget in the in the mm. third verse.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other thing I said uh, is, I do think you you could push this to be congregational.
0: Yeah. I, I, quite, I like I like the idea. No, I do. I think I I gave myself that little bit of freedom because I knew we're not going to really have time to write this, learn it, teach it. But I could write something I could sing, and yeah. that's sort of where it went. But I'm interested. Yeah, what would you do then, Sam, with that? Because it, it's got a so, kind of singer songwritery, slightly country,
1: balanced yeah, sort of thing, isn't it? Well, I don't think it's a lot. I mean, I wonder whether making it we yeah we're looking for the lord i don't think that would do damage to it um at all um that that would help and then you're pushing the the melody around quite a bit um coming in before or after the bar and so i wonder whether you could just sing it much more um generally much straighter you know and and save your pushes for very particular points
4: yeah though i know the freedom and salvation that he brings so yeah. you've got some
1: definite kind of landing moments and then a few kind of skippy with moments with as well
4: pe- you could
0: pretty much straighten that out quite nicely though i'm blessed with joy and peace and hope of greater things
1: yeah so all. That, yeah s- straighten it out and then
0: have some sorry that's of really very key. high i apologize to our listeners that's very high
1: <laughs> dogs are coming in from yeah. the garden um uh yeah I, I don't honestly don't think it would take a lot i think it's mostly in the way you're performing it that it feels that it feels yeah sing a song i don't there's not a lot in the in the words i don't think there's anything particularly in the words that i would say oh people are going to struggle to because you know you're being You're being general enough about, you know, darkness and through pain, days of deep uncertainty. It's it's, it's general enough that people can relate to that.
2: I
0: I want to hear what you've done.
1: All right. Hold on. (laughs) The
4: long expected saviour, hope for Messiah. Long for a demon, Jesus, you're worth the way Promised by the prophet. Coming again Coming.
0: Yeah. Thanks. My son has a thing at the moment where he does something and then he pauses waiting for the applause. <laughs> and I just felt like I was in that moment. Oh sorry, yeah yeah, sorry. We've all got to clap. <laughs> well done, son. <laughs> nice. Nice work. Uh yeah, that's really nice, Sam. Well done. This is nice cuz you posted this early. I've already had some chance to feedback on it and you've already worked on it and we've chatted it through a bit. So I I'm, I'm coming at this a bit um later than some other people listen to it, I guess. Um but it's nice not- i know this is so geeky but i just love the dominant seventh in the second line there yeah it's just because it's i don't know why and i even nicked did you notice i nicked it and i put a dominant seventh in the second line of my song i just played you yeah (laughs) hey that's nice i also nicked the first verse melody from a song i wrote about 10 months ago um so i might need to adapt that anyway this isn't about me um that's really nice I like the. Uh, I pick up some things I like. I like the way that you are concise and um, deliberate with the words. The very short expressions: long expected savior, hoped for messiah, longed for redeemer, promise. It's just that, that's re Those lovely short lines. I think sing really really well. I actually think you've. I know that you've adapted a little bit where you've put in this long savior. I think you should go back to what you had before because it's more natural. Okay. It's more how you'd say it. The long expected savior, hoped for messiah, longed for redeemer. I-, I think it. Some, okay. For me, that sing, would sing better, rather yeah. than drawing those out. I, I, I'm saying that because I'm
1: aware of the contrast, what you had before. Um, Is it worth saying the things that I've changed?
0: Yeah,
4: go on.
1: So it used to go... Um, Long for
4: Redeemer, Jesus,
1: you're so worth waiting for. And there was two things. One thing you said that, Jesus, was a bit kind of singer songwritery, which I kind of agree with now, and, and now I now i sing it i sort of slightly cringe at it um <laughs> and then i had this thing i initially i thought what about if you wrote a song that said you're worth waiting for jesus because that's just like a sort of colloquial phrase that we say mm. and i thought christmas um, uh, christmas hello advent is waiting so worth waiting for and then just to fill the syllable i basically went you're so worth waiting for and then you and actually other people on the forum said Oh, that really sounds kinda of like a romantic thing, like, oh darling, you were so worth waiting for. And also that sort of you your so is a bit like, Yeah, you're so worth waiting for. Yeah. Um, so because of all those things, you I've changed, it. changed that. But you made so what you've
0: done is you made the last line more solid because you it's just hmm. sort of lands really nice. Jesus, you're the way. Uh, just I think melodically rhythmically it's it's stronger. Um Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And I I I don't think that there is no place for romantic imagery in worship songs, but I don't think this song is one that sounds like... So you get to it and it's sort of... Oh, this is all a bit more... It it has a sort of... It's got a lot more gravitas about it as you're singing these words. And I think that was part of things. This sudden contrast with something quite colloquial as a response to them. You feel like you actually need to express your response with the same kind of gravitas. I'm still not sure about the Jesus you're worth the wait because you say it so many times and it still for me has a sort of it still has a kind of romantic overtone to it and I don't oh, mean that really? it means yeah. I think you I don't I just think it's which gives it a light I'm trying to express something It's really hard isn't it, to express a critique I think it gives it a sort of a likeness a, th- a lightness, and a throwaway-ness that is in contrast with the other things there and I guess you could use that as a deliberate tool but actually, because you keep landing there, I think sometimes it just could weaken the landing. But on the other hand, the point that you make it is absolutely good. And so <laughs> I, a couple of thoughts are either that you do use it, but you don't use it every time. And you just find a way of yeah. seeing a similar kind of phrase each time that might end yeah. with weight or something, but just gives mm-hmm. you freeze up a bit of that sense and then if you were to do that in each verse you might find one which is which actually sort of becomes the like the killer line that ends the chorus in a same i guess maybe in the same sort of way you're saying to me it's yeah it's good to say jesus you're worth the wait but because it's almost in a different voice to the rest of the song i think that's what i'm trying to say it's like it comes mm-hmm. out in a slightly different voice um but what it has done is has made you shape a song which i think is really lovely and i like the way you've adapted the chorus because one of the things before was that it was um it was sort of negative, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was um, when it when it seems you're far away, uh, you promised that you go with us. So and and um, Chris Juby was saying, wasn't he, when he was yeah. looking at this with us um, on the retreat was that um, he just felt that starting with something negative in the chorus kind of wasn't what you wanted to say at that point. Uh, you know, having talked about waiting and anticipating in the verses, you wanted a confident um statement in the chorus and i i I was just thinking well you know that sort of maranatha come lord jesus is is the is the classic um phrase and i don't think i don't think it's an overused phrase either
0: no i just wonder about that little melody i what i did look quite like was that the come lord jesus doesn't kind of blast out at the top and i don't think it needs to at all because i think it needs to kind of emerge but I I wondered if there's maybe a slightly different shape, which was instead of the come Lord Jesus, which you had, didn't you? Is that mm-hmm. right? You, you come Lord could, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Come Lord Jesus. Whether you just said it's more come Lord Jesus. So that mm-hmm. it sort of has a bit more of a rise, because at the moment it kind of... Bah, yeah. Bah, bah, and maybe just... I guess I'm just saying a slightly prettier melody there. Maybe has slightly yeah. less leaps or, or fewer leaps. Than what, yeah. than what he's got, um, really good. I like this, Sam. Good work. Wow, Thank Advent you. has brought out the best in us. Um, yeah, and we've now does. all got another year to work on these and perfect them exactly. for next year, haven't we? Unless you want to use, yeah. you know, want to sing it this time.
2: Twelve song challenge.
0: The twelve song challenge for December will be our final challenge of the year well done to those of you i think it's a very small and select group who have actually completed every single challenge it doesn't contain myself (laughs) or sam no but there is a small group of you have done so well done i really hope you've appreciated it our challenge for december is is in some ways a sort of a bit of fun but i think quite an interesting exercise It's called the two-line challenge the, two line challenge oh yeah, two lines, definitely the way we the way this will work is we're going to give you two lines of a song each so you're going to get you'll have alternatives to work with so you can see what you want and your challenge is to turn it into a song and i think this will be i hope lots of people join in this one actually because i would love to hear what comes out now all you've got to do is include these two lines in your song somewhere so it could be the beginning they could be the chorus they could be in the middle of a verse somewhere whatever you want to do you've just got to keep those and then write the rest of the song and see what it's leading to. Um, How does that sound? So I'm going to set one. I'm going to try and give this one to Sam as a little challenge. And uh, Sam, I will take on yours. So uh, the chords go like this. G, C down to A minor, up to D. And then the words just go. We give glory, honour and
3: praise to the Saviour, the King.
4: Grace. that's it
1: cool Make a so matter. i have to start from there yeah that's, your that's glory what you get and praise to the savior da, 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 da. yeah and then i have to jump off from there somewhere Turn and it so we, and we can we can then repeat that yeah melody or we can go on a different direction yeah we can treat that as a verse or a chorus or a yeah middle eight brilliant yeah. okay that's good all right. see what it inspires um what okay. have you got for me sam I'm gonna, um, mine's more of a kind of outward looking e one, um, just for a bit of a contrast, uh, it's an E, uh, Open our eyes
4: to a world of need, open our hands with your generosity.
1: I'm going to leave it there. Oh, man. See where people take that. That's good. (laughs) Let me try that again. Just one more time. Open our eyes to a
4: world of need. Open our hands
1: with your generosity. So the chords were just E, like sus, and back to E, B, and then A, and then go where you want from there.
0: Wow. This is exciting, isn't it? I'm already. I think. Yeah. This, I think. I'm glad I got yours, actually, not mine. <laughs> so we said, there you go. That is the challenge for this month. It's just about taking an idea from somebody else and running with it, and seeing where you go with it. And let's let's do it. Let's share. Don't worry. it's enough to be brilliant. Let's share the stuff on the forum. Yeah. Let's see the different ideas we come up with. Let's compare our different styles. I think I think it'll be exciting to see. Um, so we we'll look forward to that. For next year, we're going to do something. It's not going to be the 12 song challenge anymore we're thinking about doing something which is around actually walking through the journey of writing a song over several months together but still doing Mm. it collectively and still sharing stuff on the podcast and so on so we'll tell you some more about that at the beginning of January in the meantime if you've got thoughts of oh what would really help me in terms of a sort of a a corporate a a thing we're doing together then do get in touch and let us know because you know we're, we're still there's still time to develop and refine and adapt and and plan what we do but thanks so much for all of you who have joined in in january oh, yeah. we'll do our final review of the 12 song challenge year so the final thing of this episode is uh as promised before the 10 commandments of um waking your song congregational or sam you've suggested an alternative approach even
1: Oh yeah, well you, you do yours and then I'll okay. I'll critique so what
0: it. I've done is I've drafted these. I've got ten of them that I don't think they're perfect in any sense, but I thought let's just get them out there. There's some top tips in a sense of how to to write a congregational song, and then maybe maybe Sam will give some feedback. Maybe you guys can feedback as well. Well, again, we'll put them in the notes on the podcast page. Um, and you know, if there's something you disagree with or or I've omitted some or I've you know been too specific, repeated and do say. So these are my top tips. Number one. Write within a median vocal range for your congregation. If in doubt, ask them what they struggle to sing. Number two, limit complexity. Only allow one of rhythm, melody or lyrics to be complex. Keep the other two simple. Great. Three, aim for we stroke us and move to I stroke me if you have to. Colon. Colon think community <laughs> but i have to put the punctuation in number four expect to translate and rewrite your personal worship expressions if putting them in the mouths of others yeah number five i start doing this donald trump thing right where you kind of hold your fingers in a circle and hammer down every point i can't it's gonna be believe great. i can't believe i picked that up um <laughs> Number five, write what <laughs> sings well in your congregation's voice, not what sounds good in yours. Number six, always be willing to revise a song after its first airing based on feedback and experience. Number seven, write in a lyrical voice that suits your congregation and culture and enables the richest expression. Number eight, do write about experience and emotion. Semicolon. <laughs> but always make it broadly applicable when you do number nine don't be carelessly or lazily exclusive in language or style mm. number 10 always be consistent in meter melody and rhythm from verse to verse thus speaketh
1: joel yeah i think this is really good i think that i heard john Whitverley once on a talk say uh, his american uh, teacher on worship and he talked about the difference between thou shalt not" and the beatitudes mm. and he said that sometimes when we talk about worship we come across as thou shalt not which makes people get like nervous because it seems kind of authoritarian and he said that it's notable that jesus talks about blessed are those um or a sort of wisdom language you know you you will uh, sort of proverbs you will be wise if um and so i wondered i mean this is this you know you might still want to go for this but i think the first thing i would say is this is about writing congregational songs isn't it yeah so actually if people want to write a performance song that is completely valid yeah you know and 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 and, and i i'm i'm nervous that you know there are times when creativity has to break out of some of the ex, you know the expected rules and sometimes things that you think oh that shouldn't work but it does work so that's my nervous but i just thought i would have a go at a few beatitudes oh you're such a so softy uh, and people might prefer my come on know.
0: come on but hammer down this the is, law on people this is more law yeah, okay
1: all right moses <laughs> um we're under grace in my in my half of the okay. podcast yeah, and so well, this, is what I, this is what I come out with. Yeah. Um, blessed are churches who prioritise congregational singing more than individual performance. They will grow in community. Blessed are songwriters who see personal outpouring as a great starting point, but hone congregational songs to be usable by a wide range of the church body. Their songs will last. Blessed are worship leaders who draw out the unique expressions of their locality. They will avoid perpetrating McChurch. Perpetuating. No, perpetuating. <laughs> or, <laughs> or perpetrating. Or perpetrating. That's quite apt. Carry on. <laughs> yes. Uh, and finally, blessed are congregations who root creativity in historical and biblical truth. They will go deeper into the things of God. That's how far I got. I don't know if you think those are better or worse. But-
0: oh, Sam, you're so much better than me in so many ways. And I like those, actually. I think that's really good. i tell you what we're going to do. let let us um, We've run out of time today. let Let's, we'll put those out as on our um, on the notes. Go, if you go onto the podcast page on the resoundworship.org website slash podcast, not website, you know, then you will find um, a little button you can click underneath um the podcast episode where you can get more and then it gives you some notes and we put links and things in there so we've just started doing that we'll put these love to hear your feedback maybe you want to refine either the beatitudes or the much better commandments and um, (laughs) offer, offer us your version well we'd love to hear from you um this is our last um podcast together before christmas so sam can i wish you a very uh happy christmas after oh, a thanks, long mate. and fulfilling advent leading into a blessed <laughs> and glorious new year thanks buddy and also with you and the rest of you do get in touch as we said uh you can get us facebook.com slash resignworship.org twitter at resignworship email podcast at resignworship.org until next time happy christmas bye